Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Novetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. Welcome into another episode of the Rising Champions podcast. I am, of course, Kyle Bogie, alongside Dr. Jason Nevetsky. And uh, Doc, really quick before we get to an, an unbelievable guest that we're going to welcome in here. It has certainly been an eventful week in the news cycle here in the state of Michigan. And I know we're going to jump uh, into it a little bit more um, on the podcast, but uh, I, I got to believe that, you know, some of your clients, families that you work with, some of the student athletes, uh, it, it had to have been a, a busy and, and tumultuous week uh, for a lot of them. It has, Kyle. Um, I'm feeling really sad, uh, honestly, for my clients and the athletes in this state. Um, I think the inconsistency and the mixed messages that they're receiving, uh, and I'm not trying to make this political or controversial in any way. I just want to just honest. make, yeah, and just make yeah. sure that, you know, the people that make decisions really understand the mental health of our student athletes and, and what sports means to them. They, they put so much dedication and, and not just them, their coaches and their families, too. And, and their futures are on the line in some of these situations for the juniors and seniors that are, are trying to get recruited. So it's a really difficult time. And I wish the powers that be would take that a little bit more seriously. I certainly understand that the health and welfare of our population is more important than anything, but I think the mental health of our athletes and, and all of our students for that matter um, needs to be taken into higher consideration. Certainly many different facets to it. And I, I want to get our guest thoughts uh, on this here on the Rising Champions podcast, which by the way, this interview is going to be brought to you by Brand 25 Media. If you have digital marketing needs in and around the Metro Detroit uh, area and the state of Michigan, uh, certainly now is as important a time as ever to have a social media presence and improve your digital marketing. So again, if you need any help or looking for anything, please check out brand25media.com uh, or email Kyle or Mike at brand25media.com as well. So with that, uh, a good start to the podcast. I want to make sure that we uh, do a proper introduction here. Somebody who has dedicated her life to uh, students, student athletes, to you know, advising, to college, so many different areas uh, of what we're going to speak on. And that is uh, Eva Dodds, um, who you get 25 years plus of experience in coaching, uh, being an athlete, um, you know, certainly as a college advisor, just we're, we're so happy to have you on the Rising Champions podcast this evening. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I, yeah. So Eva, you are now working kind of on your own, but for college-wise, um, college counseling. Tell us a little bit about that and, and how kids can find you and what they expect uh, when they do work with you. CollegeWise is a network of counselors all across the country, and we work with students all throughout high school to reduce stress and help them hear about all the different um, opportunities they have looking at different four-year college pathways. Okay. So right now, obviously really stressful times for our students and, and student athletes that are looking to make some really important decisions um, for their future. Uh, from the mental side, what have you noticed differences now that the kids are dealing with, maybe that they weren't dealing with maybe two years ago that they're dealing with now? Well, we've had a feel, fear of failure with student athletes that has been on the rise for I'd say about 10 years now. 
And it really is like the perfect storm, COVID plus fear of failure, plus creates so many unknowns for these potential student athletes. I mean, they already are student athletes, but now as they start to dream and think about what they want from college, they don't give themselves the space to see who they can be. And so the self-confidence that we're used to seeing in athletes, I have been a coach um, since the 90s, a long time ago. I've been coaching for over 25 years. And I just don't remember seeing this in athletes before. But what we're seeing now is a unique phase of a rise of anxiety that we need to answer and help students navigate as they get through this time. And we don't have all the answers during COVID because the answers keep changing. So it's teaching them that pathway of going week by week and dealing with what's coming their way, but continuing to control the narrative that they can can still control. You just brought up in the state of Michigan that now our winter athletes don't, um, some of them are not going to be able to come back until the last week of regular season play. Like if you play hockey, you get to come back for one week of regular season play before the playoffs. You hope to come back. Right. If you were um, a, a female swimmer, you were about to, to swim for states and your season was suspended in November. Then you had to peak again uh, last weekend. Um, and so when I, what I'm seeing are, is a lot of obviously frustration, not knowing where to go next, questioning. And so as a, as a student athlete, you're already questioning yourself a lot. Like, can I play at this level? Can I meet the needs of this coach, this program, this academic situation? But now there's the added element of COVID. And is there even going to be a slot available? Can I trust what the coach is saying on the other side? Can I trust what the admissions office is saying? And it's put me in an awkward position that I've never actually been in being a, um, a college counselor since the 90s too, um, yeah. where I'm not always sure that the co college coaches themselves know exactly what they can promise. And it's by no fault of their own, but they truly don't know how many slots are available this year. At least they didn't. We all got caught flat-footed in October. And when coaches thought they would be able to be giving the early um, likely letters and things like that, they really couldn't because the admissions offices weren't coming back with those slots. And it seems like some of the college athletes have been given that extra years, which uses up some of the potential spots for these incoming seniors for this next school year. We've absolutely seen that. I've seen that in every sport I'm dealing with this year with kids, just fewer slots, half the slots pretty mm. much it comes down to. It's yeah. not an exact science. The data is not all in yet. When we look back on this data, we'll see the class of 2021 was so detrimentally impacted. Yeah. And, you know, and you and me both, we, we work with these kids and try to ease their fears as best we can. And, you know, like that concept that you mentioned, you know, like control that narrative, control what you can control. And, and that's all we can do. And I know just recently been, I spent some days with a, a high school hockey team that was hoping to start playing here next week. And then literally like the night after I worked with them, the last session, we get the word that they're going to most likely be postponed. And, and I could see the look in their eyes of, how motivated should I get to work hard and play because I can't control when we're going to play. And, and so we just have to keep, I think, supporting them and encouraging them and, and help them control that narrative, as you mentioned. The layers of little bits of scar tissue that they're building up will make them ultimately stronger players, better players. We watched the boys playing the state championship football games this past weekend. It wasn't any less amazing. In fact, I think they appreciated it more. Mm. Um, 
I had the opportunity to be a coach at Country Day for many years. So watching Country Day play in the state finals this year and, and watching that sideline and knowing the history and the legacy of that program. Um, there are a lot of lessons there that I learned as part of that program that I think translate to any student athlete. And it's part of like going through repetition, presenting as you want to be perceived. None of these things are unique. You guys have both probably lived them, but get off the bus in order, get off the bus in uniform, get off the bus. Everybody, I coach soccer with the same soccer bag on your right arm, um, mm. you know, and, and, and have a walk through that really visualizes you being a success, being a champion, winning. Absolutely. And, and that can alone give confidence. And in, in, in terms of COVID, it can give um, comfort. You know, you can find comfort in repetition. That's so right, in routines. You, exactly. So that routine of keeping up appearances is super important during COVID. This, uh, this might be, and, and Doc, it was you that brought it up, but this is basically a question for both of you because you're, you're dealing with this on a daily basis with student athletes and um, kids who are going through this and just are, you know, confused and frustrated and angry. You know, Doc, you said control what you can control, you know, focus on what, what you can. And to which point I'm thinking back to what I was like at 16, 17, and, you know, if something like this ever happened to me, I, I you know, in, in for lack of a better word, I would tell you guys, Oh, oh, please. Wait, come on. You know, can you give me something better than that? I, how do you even handle, you know, kids who just go, what do you mean control what, what I can control? I have no control of everything. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll jump on that first, Eva, if you want. It's, um, <laughs> you know, the first thing that comes to mind is we got to set some small victories every day and, and, and have a win for the day. And I think the more you're making progress towards some of those small goals, the happier and more focused you're going to be. Um, and, and, you know, some of this is a leap of faith. You're going to have to have faith that it, it will work out um, if we keep working hard at this. It has to be an individual response. So there's no group thing. So if you're coaching a team, you can't use generalizations. You've got to zone into every single player and say, these are your goals for this week. I learned that from some players myself, or I was reminded of it last spring, um, a, a a boy lacrosse player that I work with out of Lansing, um, captain of his team, he created competitions that they could each do at their own houses just to keep that individual um, ownership of success going. So he came up with that on his own. It's a version of what we've all done in our own experiences, but it, it worked. And, and you see lots of coaches saying they're doing a version of that during COVID. Yeah. Well, I think we could switch off COVID a little bit because it's a little depressing, quite honestly. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, something I'm sure that comes up, you know, with you and your clients, Eva, and it and certainly comes up in my office too, is when I'm helping a, an elite athlete, like a high school athlete, and they're being recruited or they're at the, be the beginning of those phases of, of uh, being recruited, is helping them really understand what the good fit is for them, both academically, socially, athletically. And, you know, I have my process for that, but I'd be really curious to hear how you approach a couple things, you know, helping that student not get too enamored with like the big name schools, you know, I call them like the shiny object schools or, or pressure from their family or friends to go to the big school because, you know, their parents want to talk about what school their son or daughter is going to and, and all that. And it's so hard to separate that from doing what is really right for them. 
as a person. So if you could, you know, jump into that a little bit. Having a conversation with the entire family present and hearing the truth and the why behind each statement. So one parent might have one set of reasons, another parent might have another set of reasons. Typically, or sometimes when you ask a parent, they'll go into their own story. So we kind of just get all that out. So the parent says, you know, when I played ball for <clears throat> Michigan State, you know, this happened and this happened and this happened. And the mom will say, when I played soccer for this happened, this happened. And so we get all that out. And then, you know what I say next? I say, yes, but <laughs> what does your daughter want to do? We're here for your daughter's story tonight, not any of our stories as former athletes. And then that gives the space to the child to start answering. But we have to give them, and it's my job to give him or her programs to be interested in and the whys to be interested in those programs. And so if I just said out of nowhere, I think you should play lacrosse for Denison, the girl's going to say, what, where, huh? And um, like, I want to play lacrosse for Duke. And so Oh, I can then like follow up and say, well, just follow Denison's social media for a couple of weeks. They're ranked number 17 mm. in the country nationally before the season starts this spring. Um, and then the ears perk up a little. You could be conference player of the week. I bet you'd be an All-American. I think you'd probably make captain. These are the types of things on your resume that are going to set you up to go anywhere you want. A student might start to listen. The parents might start to perk up. But I don't actually ever stop them from following the paths of any of their dream schools. Let's reach out to 100% of those coaches. Let's put everything on your recruit spot portal. Um, you know, let's work it. Let's work the system and see what comes back at us. Go play, play a camp at that um, school of your choice. Let's see what happens. When the crickets come back, and again, I don't mean to be negative, but like it kind of <laughs> answers itself, right? And then I'm ready. Like I'm super excited because I really thought the match school was a different spot than perhaps what they were perceiving. And the culture tells um, parents and kids Use your sport to get into an Ivy. Why? Because of the name. Why? Because it's the best. Why? You know, I sound like a re it's reverse psychology. I sound like mm -hmm. a two-year-old asking why 50 times. <laughs> and by the time you get to the end of it, many parents are open to looking far beyond, you know, just those, those fewer schools. Um, and I never want a, a child to feel like they're settling because they're not. You know, they're going to be their best self. Do you want to ride the bench? Do you want to play a game? Like, you know, what are the personal goals? So if you've yeah. got a ringer and they could truly play anywhere, I mean, those are, that's those are easier ones. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's, the that's schools will come deal. calling at that point. Yeah. But the ones that really, you know, bring us alive and use every synapse in our own brains are the ones that could go either way. And it's, you got to take a lot of cues from the student as well. If they're sitting on their hands, they're not reacting, they're not engaged in following through and doing the research on any of the programs, finding the way, what kind of learner this is. Is this a verbal learner? Do they need to be listening to podcasts? Do they need to be watching YouTube videos? Do they need to be um, hit with data? Do they want to, you know, social, um, following the social media of the teams I want them to get connected with? All of those things I just keep pushing and I circle back like week after week. And the ones that are truly interested in following up do make that baby step. I might be sitting right next to them to encourage them to actually press send on the email. But as you know, as soon as they get the text back from that first coach, you know, once in a while it's a school I've never heard of. And I'm like, that's great. I'm like <laughs> typing on the side. like, where is <laughs> um, But that's a start, you know, and there's the confidence. And then we just kind of, 
go on from there and talk about the positives and negatives of pursuing each possibility. Hmm. I'm fascinated by, um, you know, student athletes who go and maybe play, you know, division two, division one, double a, you know, division three, who let, let's just, you know, being totally frank, have a very low likelihood of ever going on to play at a professional level and really truly make that uh, their living. So I guess when you're talking about, you know, those lower end or, you know, whatever you want to call schools, how much do you weigh, you know, knowing what they want to major in in those programs as well, as far as life beyond sports? You know, if maybe you go Division Three, if in fact they have a better program, if you want to go into finance versus the Division Two team is better, but their finance program isn't as good. How do you go about, I guess, finding that balance to the on the field court, uh, you know, whatever, and then in the classroom? The kiddo who has um, a varsity letter and has all-conference recognition, captain of his or her team, is going to get the job in finance no matter who the program is because he walks, he or she walks in the door, has that interview, and they just know how to hustle because they've had that experience, whether they're D3 or D1. As you guys know, you know fewer than 1% of all athletes are at that elite level to go to the next level. Although, again, of course, one of my favorite things to do during an NFL game is listen to all the, where all the players come from, teeny tiny programs. Um, so the, all these other students, are they using sports to get an education that they would not have access to otherwise? That's a lot of the people, a lot of families I work with. I, I will, I'm pretty blunt in my old age. So I'll say, like, <laughs> you don't have a prayer of going to any of these schools on this list unless the coach wants you to play soccer. I love you dearly, but I'm just going to save us all a lot of time. And so the dad will say, like, there's no chance of her getting into Wash U without soccer. I'm like, zero to, like, negative 10. Like, it's not happening. Plus, at Wash U, just to get on the radar of the coach, you have to have these academic criteria already. And then other schools, you really don't need the academic criteria as much if – you're at a certain level of athletic criteria. So, so it's yeah. really going to help you get in. And so mm -hmm. you're changing a lot of lives just by having sports be a part of their life. As you guys know, whether it's D3 or D1, small D1 at Davidson or, you know, Amherst, number one in the country, men's soccer, you know, that also is going to open a lot of doors in yeah. terms of a career. So, um, you know, when I went through recruiting, we didn't have any of these websites and portals and things like that. It was like, we're sending Betamax tapes to the coaches and <laughs> trying to get in there as quickly as we could. And got, those. Yeah, exactly. See, we're dealing with Eva, and, um, and you know, you get letters and phone calls and there was no texting and all that kind of thing. And now like my son went through recruiting, you know, six, seven years ago and you know, all these um, websites like NCSA and, be recruited and what is your take on some of these things is it worth it for these parents to pay you know the seven eight hundred up to a thousand dollars to put a sports profile on these websites i think it's important for parents to realize when they use one of those websites that on the other side of the website the website the part they can't see they're being rated so the the um web the company they're paying to connect them to coaches is rating them as a five star four star three star two star you know, athlete. And what is that based on? A true um, coach that's recruiting a student will try to get, as you guys know, will try to get a feel of a player in many different ways. They'll kind of interview the family, obviously watch the student in multiple scenarios and, and a couple other people. Obviously these companies can't do that. So I get a little wary of that. Um, I do have a lot of students where parents feel like they're covering all bases if they mm -hmm. sign up for one of those. I have not ever seen one of the connections made by one of those websites result in 
a student playing for that school. All you have to do is, as you guys know, is jump on the website, click on recruiting and fill out the questionnaire or better yet, email the coach. You know, back when I was recruited, if you could even call it that, black and white pamphlets came in the mail that were mimeographed by the coach. If you're interested, rip this off and mail it back. Set, mail it back, yeah. <laughs> so it's a version of that. And that's the first step of showing a coach that you have the wherewithal to follow through. They also realize that parents are 100% doing this for some of the kids. And the language that parents use um, in their emails to the coaches is, you know, laughable a lot of the time. That's why the coaches cut right to texting, right? So they can yeah. talk to the kids themselves. I, that's really interesting because I can't tell you, I've had a handful or more of parents that are doing all the work for their kid and the coaches know and then they'll send out the dear john emails to every single coach and they're all the same and the coaches can read right through that and so oftentimes what i tell my athletes is look like you said eva go to their website read about their program read about their school create an email that's specifically customized to that coach to that program to that school why you want to be there and then send the email or a letter exactly. instead of just, just Look at the roster and do you recognize any of the schools? Do you play against any of the schools? If you don't, there's something to say. Like I, I noticed mm -hmm. you don't really recruit in our area, but I go to these three camps. You might be at one of them, you know, and I, I'll actually help the students cherry pick some of those facts just to get them started on the first few. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and they will start to get invested and start to get in excited about the programs them themselves. Again, the easiest athletes to work with are the ones who get off the bus ready to play the game. The ones that you know when they walk in your office the first time are, are good to go. Um, I met a football player on the west side of the state. And I was like, do you have a huddle profile? He's like, looks at me like I have 10 eyes, like across Zoom. He's like, yeah, I just updated every week with my, you know, highlight players. And, you know, and during COVID, he created his own gym, like the first day he goes, it doesn't look like we can get in the weight room. So I just kind of made my own workout mm. routine 90 minutes a day, like self motivated, right? That's right. the easiest person to for a coach to want to recruit, and for us to work with. The one that might I would say is hardest to work with is a little um, a bit of a procrastinator has anxiety of some kind and has parents who are overbearing, which miraculously usually goes hand in hand. Um, mm. you know, and so my advice to parents is really let the students be upfront in the process and let them kind of run the show and then use someone like one of us to, to make sure the process is going. Because if you're emotionally attached to it as a parent and you're managing it, it's, it can backfire in so many different ways. Right. See, that's fascinating to me. I uh, Just the other night, actually, I watched the Tiger Woods documentary on HBO, mm. and it's been fraught with controversy. You know, that there's people with an agenda who are just trying to bring up the smut that surrounds Tiger and his, his life and his career. But one of the things that really struck me was his relationship with his dad. And his dad would tell people all the time, oh, if, if Tiger wanted to, you know, play basketball or he wanted to play football, he, he could go and do that. No problem. Meanwhile, he's, you know, essentially forcing him out there on the range, you know, late at night and making him put in this extra time. It certainly seemed like he was one of those parents that just, this is what my son is going to do. This is what he's going to be. And I got to believe that there is a lot of that going on and that can get, I would assume, I don't want to say contentious, but awkward at times when, you know, you have to be honest and, and tell parents, 
it, this might not be the path for your son or daughter to potentially go down. I lean on having been a, a coach and, and, and that's where I'm just really honest with the parents. Like it's not there. Like the coaches are not calling because it's not there. Um, I mean, there are always programs you can find for a student. Now that I have a 12 year old son myself, so I'm totally in a new position in terms of watching him choose which sports he's going to want to play. Um, and, and, and it is hard as a parent, how much do you push? How much do you hold back? Um, and, and do you see the drive in your child? Do you push it further? Most professional athletes that you talk to played multiple sports in high school. That's happening a little bit less now, but you hope that it will continue to happen. We know the value in that. Uh, the, at the end of my soccer coaching career, I saw a lot of light being lost in, in, in players' eyes because they were over-programmed. They were playing on two club teams, their high school team. There was no heart. If you don't have the heart and the emotion and the drive – when you're a college recruited athlete, it's not gonna it's not gonna go well for you. Um, and so, that ability to manage failure and keep moving forward that they should each be learning through COVID really will benefit them in the long run. And if they are a true D1 athlete, when the, the dead period leaves finally um, in April, you know. I, I would say that you know, kind of coming back to COVID a little bit. I mean it's got to be more difficult to help these kids make these decisions because they can't sometimes get on campus and actually feel it. I'm sure one of your major pieces of advice is to go visit and get a feel for the, the culture and climate of a school, uh, get into the classrooms and walk around and see the dorms and meet some professors and coaches, obviously. But how are, how are they dealing with that, with not being able to go do that? It's a great point. All of my athletes who have signed this year have signed without having an official visit mm. and signed without officially seeing the campus. Some have driven to campus and just driven around. None have been inside a classroom, but you're, they didn't get that locker room experience. They didn't get the, the team. What's the, the treatment? Like? Yeah. What's the yeah, the treatment. Exactly. What's the dynamic here, you know, and uh, for better or worse. And, and so, I say, you know, I say earnestly, like, try to pick it up off social media, you know, stalk the players, look at their <laughs> accounts, like, look at their TikToks, but you only can get, like, you know, so much of it so much. that way. I just wonder, you know, statistically, if we look down the road in a couple of years, the level of transfers that we'll have from this particular class. Exactly. So many people say, can I transfer, you know, this next second set sentence, is it going to be okay if I transfer? Mm -hmm. Sure. I, I would also, you know, I wonder too, uh, you know, and social media is, is my business. It's, it's, you know, what I do now, but for younger kids who are impressionable and already, you know, we're a society who is trending in the area of, we don't talk to each other. We sit at dinner on our phones and we watch movies on our phones and, you know, we, we don't interact and communicate like we used to. Uh, I was fortunate enough to actually not have a cell phone until I was like 16, 17. So I got the best wow. of both worlds, but it's like the top 1%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not that way, obviously, uh, you know, anymore. I wonder how big of an impact that'll be the dynamics of being in class with a hundred people, again, being in class with 40 people, again, having to go to social events, having to like in immerse yourself back into that world, the kind of effects that I think it's going to have on students and student athletes. It's a great point, and it's going to create a different level of anxiety in some ways, maybe relief. Maybe the athletes will be best equipped to handle it, uh, and they'll have a, 
a job to be doing as they're handling it, right? In, in, in um, tight situations with lots of people. One of the best things about being a college athlete is the travel you get to do and the experiences you get to have and the places you get to see that you would never see before. And think of all that that they're going to have have back and have to deal with without really having been allowed to be around each other for multiple years. I mean, that's, that's a fascinating thing to think about. Eva, another hot topic that I've heard you talk about on the news and in our local media networks and, and um, you know, and things that you post is the, the issue with the tests, um, you know, the typical college entrance exams, uh, the ACT, the SAT and things like that. Now I had to take them. I had to take the GRE for grad school, all that stuff. I absolutely hated them. Uh, not a gr- yeah, I was not a great <laughs> test taker when it came to those things. In the classroom, I could do fine. But those long, long drawn out tests, and I just didn't see the value in it. And now, <laughs> kids don't have to take them now. What's going on with that? So almost every college and university system in the country, except for Florida, went test optional this mm. year. And many more are going test optional again next year. Cornell, this just today, this afternoon, released that they are going test blind for some of their schools, some of the colleges on campus, meaning that you, even if you send scores, they won't look at them and Mm. they're test optional for the remaining campuses. But at the end of the announcement, it says, if you are an NCAA recruited athlete, please be aware of the policies because the NCAA has not gone test optional yet for the fall 2022 entrance. So this is an added element of, or level of anxiety that potentially recruited athletes have. They're looking, they still need to test right now. So if I have a student who wants to play starting fall 2022, I have to tell them to go test, take an ACT or SAT. Now ask me how many sites are going to be open in February. They're dropping like flies. If you jump on the ACT website or the SAT website, they're getting canceled, canceled, canceled. There are two sites left open in LA, for example, right now in the entire, in all of, yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So, So how are colleges going about this? Because, I mean, you know, this was what, I don't know, 12 years ago, about 13 years ago, whatever, when I was taking the ACT and it was, you got to get this score. This is what it's all about, you know, whatever. And it, it was almost more important than the GPA. So how are colleges even going? First, I have out? to get past that you were, it was 13 years <laughs> I, I ago. I saw your reaction. Me too. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to bring it up. I, I, I already felt that immediately. <laughs> I just, I I'm can't even, it now. <laughs> I can't even fathom that it was already that long ago for me, but um, I, what kind of onus, I guess, or, or pressure is this putting on colleges to figure out who they can accept and not? Exactly. So it used, it's really about 80% rigor GPA um, typically. So what classes are you taking? What GPA are you earning? And then looking at the extracurriculars, the National Association of College Admission Counseling, a mouthful, but they have written up a new policy that over 400 colleges have signed saying uh, we will not penalize students for our policy of being test optional. So what are they looking at instead? They're looking at your extracurriculars. So it's going to favor athletes. They're looking at your leadership. They're looking at your community service. They're looking if you have, how do you manage your time? Are you curious? What's your character? All the things that athletics show. So perhaps it is a gift to some student athletes in some ways. But you're right because the whole sliding scale for the NCAA is based on a GPA versus ACT or SAT. Mm -hmm. Um, All of our service academies are the same way. So it is a rethinking of the rubric. They've done it for one year. And so now a few colleges are, 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 or almost a thousand colleges are considering going test optional in the future. The reason being is they don't think that standardized testing give access 
equal access to everyone for higher education, which is a point well taken. They don't show intelligence. They show that you can take a test. Right. True. Yeah. Well, Eva, this is so timely, so important, this information, um, especially with what's going on right now. Um, I think our student athletes need you more than ever, uh, than they ever have before. Um, so how can people find you, get in touch, ask questions? Uh, please let them know. Uh, they can just jump on collegewise.com. And if they're looking for some free support, we have an interactive program called Runway. So they just click on Runway. And every question they have is probably answered there with the video. And if they're looking for any one of us, uh, they can find our contact information there as well. And they should work with you for their mental health. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Super, super, certain, super important. I don't think it's ever been more important that we all stay balanced and stay in the now and mm -hmm. in a positive place um, as everybody's navigating January 2021. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is it still January? <laughs> yes. Doc, I'm going to need to schedule an appointment because I just realized it's actually been 15 years since I <laughs> Okay, so this is just... This is terrible. I can't oh, believe this. But even and I would have to get out a calculator. Life, your first young life crisis. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Uh, we'll have a lot to talk about. I appreciate it. Um, Eva, it was great to meet you. Thank you so much you. Uh, for being on with us here on the Rising Champions Podcast. Thank right, you for having me, you guys. You I bet. Thank you for being on. Take care, Eva. Thank you for listening to the Rising Champions Podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode.